When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're here today. We're going to continue our look at the 2023-2024 men's basketball roster and then also take a look at another opponent on the upcoming football schedule. This time, we are looking at Iowa. So, uh, no question at the top because we've had a little bit of Purdue news um, that's come out, and I wanted to touch on that. So one of the things that came out middle of last week is that NBC Sports, which is of course going to hold, uh, going to host some some Big Ten games this year for the first time in a long, long time, announced the uh, primetime schedule uh, for them. And Purdue is listed on there three times. Uh, September 30th, Illinois at Purdue is listed at 7:30. October 7th, Purdue at Iowa, also at 7:30. And November 4th, Purdue at Michigan, going to the big house for a night game, 7.30 p.m. There is a caveat. Um, all these games are listed as 7.30, but they're also pointed out that they still have the ability to flex games from one time to another, seemingly within mm-hmm. a you know a window of time. So we'll know, obviously, in plenty of time. But, I mean, Purdue getting three more night games is pretty, uh, pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's definitely shows that the program's going up. I mean, their schedule is definitely not a cupcake. Yeah. Um, so that's also likely reflected in that. So, you know what? I'll take 7.30 games. Night games are fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, um, a couple different groups come out, and, you know, they rank the different schedules throughout the year. Uh, you sent us one in our group chat, I believe, that showed Purdue mm-hmm. was the hardest schedule in the nation which, I mean, on the one hand, great, we're going to see some really good opponents. On the other hand, oh man, this could get really tough really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, you like the competition, you don't like that much competition. Right, right, There's a, it's a fine line. Right, so I think uh, Purdue's got its work cut out for them this season, and it's going to get some national attention, it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, one of the other things that came out is 
Purdue basketball um, announced that they're going to play an exhibition game in Arkansas uh, coming up, and that's going to be Saturday, October 28th. That's going to be a 4 p.m. Eastern time tip, time tip, and the proceeds of the game go to the support of the United Way of Arkansas and uh, aid in tornado relief. So uh, I know Purdue really hasn't done many of these exhibition games especially on the road. Uh, they've done the, the so-called secret scrimmages these last few years, but I think this is a really great opportunity for Matt Painter and team to kind of give back to an area that's been hit really hard by tornadoes. Uh, just this year, there have been at least three instances of tornadoes, including one in April in which 21 people died. So um, they have been hit very hard down there in Arkansas. So I thought this was a really cool gesture by uh, Matt Painter and the rest of the folks at Purdue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's You love to see the basketball brand reaching out and doing these things and providing us with basketball to watch. I mean, it's a win-win for pretty much everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's no bad uh, outcome for anyone here. I mean, even if Purdue were to somehow go in uh, and lose an exhibition game, doesn't matter, means nothing. Um and we still get a get a hand that money over to the United Way to help those victims uh, of tornado um, related uh, injuries, home property damage, whatever it was in Arkansas. Um, like I said, it's been pretty rough down there. So uh, United Way is a good organization. I had the opportunity when I lived in Lafayette um, to be basically I forget what a loaned campaign representative is what they called it um, for Ivy Tech, who I worked for at the time. Um, to go around basically and give a spiel about United Way and why people should donate. And um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a good opportunity to go out into the community. So uh, kudos to Matt Painter and the and the rest of the folks there at Purdue Basketball. That's a really great thing. Absolutely. Um, one other thing. Did you happen to watch either of the games of the Men of Mackey? I did. Uh, I was in and out because I was just outside and at work. Um I did see the ending of both games, however. Yeah, the ending of the first one was very good. Um, Minimaki won their first game and lost in the second round. Um, they were able to win in the first game off of a banked-in uh, jump shot and then lost in the second game despite being ahead uh, when the Elam ending began. Really, I mean, because the, the guy who was playing center for Purdue could not hit a layup. Um, he missed two layups that would have given Purdue the ball uh, ultimately, you know, they ha- would have had four more points, would have gotten the ball then down by one, um, but with the ball, and they only needed two points to win because if you're not familiar with the TBT, they use the Elam ending where they add a number of points uh, to the loot to the winning team, the team that is ahead at the four minutes or less mark, and that is the target score. So whichever team gets to that score first wins, uh, regardless of how long it takes. The idea behind it is, you know, it takes away the fouling at the end of games because when you're in the Elam ending, if you foul, your opponent gets one shot, but then the ball. Uh, so there's really no advantage to doing it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Um, a lot of people didn't know that, just judging by Twitter. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it until uh, the first time the the men of Mackey were in this thing. What was that, three years ago? Yes, I believe so. So, I mean, it's it's different, but I like it for pacing Um And I know there's a lot of mixed feelings on it just because so much can happen in time frames. I mean, it's kind of like when you watch a game, a FIBA game or something like that. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I like it for this sort of tournament. Um, I'm not sure how I would like it. Uh, if we were to, you know, do this in major college basketball or the NBA, I'll tell you what I do like though. I love the idea of if you foul, you know, under four minutes in a game, your opponent just gets one free throw in the ball. I would love for that to be a rule. Mm-hmm. because it really would take away the absolute garbage free throw contest that so many of these games can devolve into. I think you could just completely take away the Elam ending part of it, you know, don't do the the target points, but if you could just say, "Hey, look, you know, under a certain uh time frame, if you foul, one free throw for your opponent and they get the ball back." It really makes the incentive more play good defense 
and you know figure out a way to stop them rather than doing back and forth free throws. I think it would make for a much smoother uh, game, and they wouldn't turn into such a slog down at the end. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, that's kind of the whole point is to make it as fun as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I like it in that sense. Um, but overall, I, it's just I like watching the men of Mackie, but it really I mean it's like half men of Mackie and half guys who maybe tangentially are related to Purdue somehow. I know it's right. tough uh, to get a roster together, but it's uh, it, it makes it a little less fun when you're watching it and you know two guys on the court and three guys <laughs> suiting up for men of Mackie. You're like, I don't know who that is at all. Um, so that makes it a little tougher, right. but it's still it's, – it's a drop of water and an otherwise sports-free oasis, so I'll take that. What did you think about Robbie – um, suiting up for the first game and then instantly going to announce the game after it. Um, you know, he he suited up, but he didn't even play, so right. he he didn't uh, didn't break a sweat. But it was really good just to see him out there hustling because I mean I think he knows at this point in his life. I mean he's an he's an analyst, he's an announcer now. This is how he's going to make his money uh, for the yes. remainder of his life. So might as well get an opportunity to kind of uh, go out there with games that are, are you're less familiar with. I think it, it's probably an interesting challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, but, yeah, I do enjoy a hot dog. Got, yeah. <laughs> got some tweets about him, then got to go announce, so. Are, are we sure we're still calling them tweets? Or are we still doing that? I, You know what? It's going to be – I'm from Chicago. It's still the Sears Tower. There's going to be still called tweets. I so you mentioned the Sears Tower. I love doing that to my wife. My wife is uh, from the region um, in Indiana, though. Indy, Indiana, yep. though. So, um, but you know, she would obviously spend more time in Chicago than she would going down to like Indianapolis. So I mm-hmm. always love calling it the Willis Tower in front of her, just because she's like, it's not the Willis Tower. It's the Sears Tower. It'll always be the Sears Tower. Yep. So uh, that that's always she fun. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. I think you're right. It's always going to be calling, calling them uh, tweets. Although I saw you sent us a picture that your um, app image had changed, and mine yes. has not. Mine is still the bird uh, logo. Well, mine, mine changed when I went. So I, when I went into the app on my phone, and when I came back out, and I took a video of it, it would show the new logo, and then it would instantly revert back to the bird. It's like my phone was trying to purge itself of a virus. So, <laughs> well, I mean, wasn't it? I don't. Know. Well, yeah. Well, what is it right now? Currently, some some at some point today, it is now the new logo. It's the X logo. So, my phone, if anything, in this analogy, is sick. Yeah, it's fighting off. It's fighting off something. We'll see. Does the is the disease going to win, or or will your phone win? Mm-hmm. So it's we something shall. to look out for. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my, my phone has not done anything as far as changing over yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got my eye on it, so. It might require you to manually update your phone. Yeah, so I guess. it's kind of like when Flappy Bird was a thing where if you updated yeah. it, it died. Yep. I remember Flappy Bird. That game was really, really difficult. For sure. Um, good game though. Good game. I love that yep. the guy was like, it's too addictive. I'm going to kill it. Right. Even though he was making like just a ton of money. That's just not a story you hear very often. Yes, and then you had people selling iPhones with right. Flappy Bird still installed. Yeah. It is amazing what uh, capitalism can do. So yes. there we go. Um, so moving on to uh, the main crux of our podcast today, we're going to talk about one basketball player and then one football game. Today we are talking about Brian Waddell, uh, who is now going to be a redshirt sophomore uh, in the program. He is listed mm-hmm. at 68190 out of Carmel, Indiana. He is, of course, the son of former Boilermaker Matt Waddell, who was a two-time Big Ten champion, played with the Big Dog, uh, made it to the Elite Eight under head coach Gene Cady, and was really just a great player. Um, I believe he's in the Indiana College uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. So, you know, his son has a lot to live up to, and that is – I wrote about this uh, on the site, hammerandrails.com. Um, on the 27th, because we're doing the off-season homework on on Hammer and Rails as well, and just how difficult that's got to be 
to follow your dad to the exact same school where he was, I mean, an absolute star, um, a two-time Big Ten champion, went to the Elite Eight, as I said. He is, in fact, a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, that's tough. Um, but kudos to to Brian Waddell for having uh, the courage to to follow um, your dad, who had such a big impact on a school. That's, I can't imagine how tough that would be. Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely... Definitely something to do. It's got to be the coolest thing, just seeing, uh, you know, up on the rafters, just seeing your dad's name. It's kind of, um, and there's, I know it's just a fine balance because obviously if your dad's one of those players, like he's going to hopefully pass down those skills to you uh, and kind of, you kind of go off of that. You know, obviously if you have him teaching you when you're a little kid, that's awesome. Um, but I feel like sometimes it's difficult for kids of these athletes who just come in and, you know, you see what your parents did and you feel like you were expected to do the same or do better. Um, but it's a fine line as most things are. Um, and I think Brian has done, um, done a good job just, doesn't seem to impact him at all right so you you like to see that he seems a very level-headed kid Mm -hmm. and that's something that matt painter loves fans love and um good on him for that yeah yeah um i do want to correct you uh matt waddell's name not in the rafters however a couple of his big 10 banners are up there uh so he's got that but I, I wanted to I wanted to say that before someone came at us in the comments or something and and let us know, but we both knew that. But I wanted to be clear. Um, so last year, uh, as as we said, he he redshirted his first year in the program, which was good. Um, he actually ended up injuring his knee uh, during his redshirt year because, of course, he did. Um, mm-hmm. He was at Purdue after all, and then uh, he came out last year. He only appeared in seventeen games, uh, a high of minutes was 20 against Milwaukee and the, I would I was shocked when I went through his stats to write this story he only scored nine points all season with yeah. a high of five coming against uh, Austin P so we don't have a lot of data on exactly what kind of player Brian Waddell is going to be because it was his first year playing last year and he came into a team that was absolutely stacked and when you're the new guy coming in and you're not an absolute um, – you're not filling a void that Purdue didn't have. You know what I mean? He, he plays forward. He's mm-hmm. 6'8". He's a good shooter. And in theory, Purdue had guys who could do that. You know, We had positions uh, stocked at the 3 and the 4, um, and we were ready to go at that position. So Waddell didn't have a ton of opportunities – Obviously, his minutes fell off as the season progressed, and Painter tightened right. the rotation. So we don't know really what kind of player he can be, um, but Waddell really is a guy who has a great opportunity for the rest of his Purdue career because – and, and again, this is something I wrote about on the site. If for no other reason than you go back and watch the Fairleigh Dickinson game, Purdue could not hit a three-point shot against Fairleigh mm-hmm. Dickinson. I mean, they were 5 of 26 from beyond the arc. And Brian Waddell should be able to come in and hit open shots. And that's what Purdue is going to need him to do if he gets that opportunity. Um, I said the two things that will allow him to get on the court are the ability to hit an open three and uh, an improvement uh, on lateral quickness on defense. Um and if he can do those things, he can find a role. The three and the four, uh, most likely the four, are still very jam-packed for him. Um, we talked about it when we talked about Caleb first, but he can find his way into the rotation if he can consistently hit some three-point shots. I mean, do you agree or disagree there? I definitely agree, um, although I will say I feel like his defense is what can get him more minutes just okay. because – that's where he seemed to really struggle was getting out there and uh, having that lateral quickness. I mean, with the knee brace and, you know, coming off of a knee injury, it seems like that's what hindered him. 
and you know to no fault of his own but that's where I feel like it's going to be crucial for him to continue to get that knee healthy, get quicker laterally, and uh, don't it. I don't want to say don't be a liability on defense, but it's pretty much at that stage where you can't be the low man on the totem pole yeah. on defense every time out. No, I th- and I think that's a fair way of putting it. And by saying that, I mean every team out there anytime you put five guys out there somebody has to be the worst defender on the floor i mean that's just literally how that word works um it doesn't mean they're terrible it doesn't mean they're a revolving door um but you can't be a liability you have to be someone who can make stops who can be in the right position who can be smart um who can maybe you know go out there and anticipate some passes get your hand on the ball um but yeah i mean being a liability is completely different than being bad on defense being a liability it basically turns you into a turnstile, you know, it, where guys are scoring at will. That is what I think of when you say a liability. Um, not being the best defender, sure, we can handle that because you can kind of game plan and scheme around that a little bit. If you're competent on defense and can make up for it on offense, uh, Painter can find a way to cover up for you a little bit on the on the defensive side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and... Um... I, I know you mentioned it. It's still logjam with players that are good players. Yeah. So it's going to come down to you're not going to get a lot of minutes if you're Brian Waddell. You sh- you need to know that going into the season. But when you do get minutes, it's coming down to you got to just capitalize on it. Yeah. Almost have that mental state where, you know, I'm going to have maybe five minutes in this game. Um, I need to make some sort of impact. Um, luckily, at the beginning of the year, uh, with non-conference games, he's going to get more minutes just because the nature of those games. You know, when you're playing teams that are not very good and you're going to win by 40, your guys towards the uh, lower end are going to get more minutes and be able to show more what they can do. So that's always nice for him early on. Um, But when you get into the meat grinder of conference season, it's a very doggy-dog minutes-wise competition for everybody. That's just the state of it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even for a large chunk of Purdue's non-conference season, I mean, going to the Maui Maui Invitational where Purdue is going to play some of the best teams in the nation – that's right. not exactly your your normal non-conference cupcakes where you can kind of tinker with lineups um, and see what works. So it, Purdue does have a pretty challenging non-conference next year, so that might limit uh, Waddell's opportunities even more. But in those early games where Purdue is you know going to rampage over an opponent by 20 or 30 or 40 points, I would expect Brian Waddell to be given an opportunity and given a lot more of a leash to go out there and see what he can do. Um, I want to touch on one thing you said there. When Waddell comes in and has minutes, he's got to find a way to make himself you know, useful, find a way to make an impact, I think was what you said. And that is true, but there's it's, it's another one of those things that you have to find the balance there because right. you, you can't simply take a shot because it's there. If you know, hey, I'm only going to be in here five minutes, I may only get two looks, I better take them both. Um, because that is not a recipe for success. That can often lead to you just you know, chucking one up because it's there rather than finding the open man, taking the extra pass, um, because facilitating for your teammates is just as important um, and is something that Painter will reward versus you know chucking up threes because you, you have the time and this might be your only shot. So he's got to find that balance. And I think Waddell, knowing that, you know, his how his dad played and learning from his dad, you know, you would assume, um, you would think that would be something that he fully understands. So I'm not worried about that part of it, but I just wanted to at least point that out for the listeners. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes to make an impact, the best way is to not make mistakes. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. So, um, I think that's what that's what Waddell needs to do uh, to get on the floor next year. Uh, again, he he's 
in a terrible situation roster wise. Um, but it, it should be an interesting year for him, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I was a big fan of of his dad when he played at Purdue, so it's very exciting for me to to see what his son can do. So, anything else on Brian Waddell before we take a break and talk about Iowa? Um, I don't think so. I All mean, right. maybe if the paint crew wants to do the whole symbol for everybody, start doing like a duck chant for him because Waddle, like or a penguin. I when I think of I think of waddling. I think yeah. of either a duck or a penguin. So you know, maybe there's something there uh, for someone who, who's in the paint crew and is has a younger and spryer mind than I do. But yeah. uh, there's penguins are just difficult though. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, what gotta... stands out for a penguin? You put your hands to your sides and you start kind of. You've got me there. You've got me there. Um, so maybe don't listen to us, paint crew. So there you go. We're gonna take a break. Come back and talk about Purdue's game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. And we are back. So. As promised, continuing our look at the 2023 Purdue football season. Purdue now has a game coming up against Iowa. Iowa is next on the schedule. This one is at Iowa City. Um, you'll recall last year Purdue and Iowa met. This was when Iowa was in one of their worst offensive streaks ever. And, of course, what did they do? They came in and absolutely took it to Purdue uh, on the offensive side of the ball even. And that was pretty shocking. So, uh, as I stated at the beginning of the show, this one is slated for 7.30 as of now, um, unless anything gets flexed by NBC. This one, again, at Iowa City. And Kirk Ferentz, still the coach there in his roughly 60th year. Uh, Nepotism reigns supreme at Iowa. So, of course, Brian Ferentz is somehow still the offensive coordinator, even though he now has a special clause in his contract regarding pay and the number of points they need to average for him to basically get his full salary. So, all that preamble out of the way, uh, Ryan, what can you tell me about the Iowa Hawkeyes? Well, uh, they're good at defense. They're and Excellent news. Yeah, I mean, defense, defense is their strong suit. We'll put it that way. Always has um, been at Iowa. Kirk, Kirk Ferentz never really known uh, as a great, great offensive Right, and plus their defensive coordinator, Phil Parker, he's he's been around a while. He knows his way around a defense, and he knows how to coach up some players. Mm-hmm. So that that's really what they're uh, pretty effective at um, down there, up there, I guess. It's up. Over there? Uh, in yeah. yeah. I guess it depends on where you're listening from. Right, exactly. So um, you kind of point out some of their 
better statistics uh, from last season, primarily on defense. <laughs> I would almost say exclusively on defense. Yeah, yeah. So they scored on offense 19 touchdowns over the entire season. Not good. Their defense scored six. Incredible. So they're they're pretty good there. Um, their offense scored a little over 17 points a game. Their defense allowed a little over 13 points a game. It, so I believe it was them in Illinois were top, I believe both top two in the nation. In scoring defense. Scoring defense, yeah. yes. So pretty good. And there, um, were, and there were multiple games last year where if you combine the defense and special teams of Iowa, they outscored the Iowa offense. Yeah, yep. Uh, it's incredibly... It's just inc- I don't know how to I don't know how to uh, you know quaintly put this. It's awesome for the defense. It is god awful for the offense. Yeah, it, it must be so frustrating to be a, a great defender on Iowa because you're out there mm. allowing, like you said, only only 13 points a game or 17 points a game. What was it? 13. 13. Yeah, and then you're like, we're gonna go undefeated, but then your offense can do nothing. Mm-hmm. So. We'll point out some of those players on offense now. Kind of, let's get let's get the the bad part out of it. Okay. So their quarterback was Spencer Petras, who played in twelve of their games. He he completed about fifty six percent of his passes, but didn't throw three hundred passes in the season. <laughs> uh, he threw for about seventeen hundred yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. That's just awful. And three rushing touchdowns. So. And it's, he's not like it, it was good. And he's not even really known as a runner. And so the fact that no. he had almost as many rushing touchdowns as throwing touchdowns is is another just wild stat for this Iowa offense. Yeah. Well, speaking of runners, they had two running backs that they used primarily throughout the year. Caleb Johnson, who just ran wild against Purdue. Yeah. And LaShawn Williams. So Johnson had a little under 800 yards um, and six touchdowns. Williams had a little over 400 yards and two touchdowns. Both are still on the roster this season. Kind of amazed so, that both of them stayed. Yeah. Um, their third string running back did transfer, but we'll get to that. It's a revolving door in Iowa. Okay. We'll get to that later. Um, interestingly enough, Petrus is on the team still, but he's in a non-playing role. What the heck does that mean? I think he's like they're saying he's a coach without being a coach. What? Yeah, it, it's it's a weird situation that they dubbed it a non-playing role as part of the team that this season. I have no so, idea what that means. At that point, my question is: Is he just there to teach the backup or the new quarterbacks so that Brian Ferentz doesn't have to? <laughs> That's wow. the only thing I can think of, but it's it's a weird situation in Iowa. Oh, apparently, okay. So apparently, he suffered a right shoulder injury in the season finale, and with the long rehab ahead, uh, he's just basically. It sounds like he's coming back to get his rehab paid for, and that he wants oh. to be a football coach eventually. So why yeah. not use another year of eligibility? Yeah. So it's kind of like a graduate coach type thing and then as you said free health care so that's just not a bad, i had no i I'd completely missed that apparently this was talked about in their run-up to the uh music city bowl or whatever mm. yes wow that's wild interesting news i'm glad you told me that because i would have had no idea yeah i mean good for him take advantage of your college year so i'm surprised they let him that yeah oh uh, who knows anyway anyway yeah, so Iowa is not really wide receiver U. As uh, Charlie Jones can tell anyway. you. Yeah, so their best receiver was Nico Regani, or if you're the announcers for the game last year, Ragaini. I really don't know um, how that pronunciation came out. Well, yeah, but it's so wild because they give them pronunciation guides, Yeah, and, and they still butcher it. Yeah, Ragaini. I mean... Mm. 
Uh, he had less than 400 yards oh receiving, only one touchdown on the season. I mean, there weren't many touchdowns to be thrown anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess when they when they threw five and he's he's got one, it's he's mm-hmm. getting a, he's getting a full 20 percent of the receiving touchdowns. Yeah, the backup quarterbacks did throw two touchdowns between them. Okay, so, important note. Um, where Iowa has recently thrived, however, is tight ends. Oh yeah. So yeah, they've always they got a good tight end. Two very good tight ends, Sam Laporta and Luke Lackey. Sam Laporta was drafted in the NFL after last season to the Lions. Um, he had about 650 yards, one touchdown, and in 58 receptions. So a very serviceable season, and he is no longer with the team. Luke Lackey is a junior this year, so he's going to step into that number one tight end role that seems to just always churn out NFL talent for Iowa. Um, Last season, he had four of the seven thrown touchdowns for Iowa. So, wow, he's really taken a lot of the plate. No kidding. Less than 400 yards receiving, though. So, that's the Iowa offense. That's the Iowa way. The Iowa difference. Mm-hmm. So, favorite stat of the day, Iowa ran the ball 422 times and threw the ball 349 times. Okay. So, they averaged just just over, literally just over 250 yards a game. Unreal. Unless they played the Purdue Boilermakers, and then yeah, they that's... just looked like a machine. Yeah, that's the problem. So, um... As I said earlier, 19 touchdowns on offense, 6 on defense. They allowed 17 touchdowns the whole season on defense. And they had a lot of players just absolutely go off defensively. Oh, yeah. Um, Several of whom got drafted. Good. So you've got Jack Campbell, linebacker, who had 125 total tackles last season. Um, Two interceptions, a sack, a fumble recovery, just did it all. He also got drafted by the Lions with Laporta. You've got linebacker Seth Benson, who got drafted by the Broncos. He had 91 tackles and a sack. Uh, Cornerback Cooper DeGene, he is a junior this year, so he's still with the team. He had five interceptions, three of them returned for touchdowns, and eight pass defense uh, defended. Yeah, that's a a pretty good... uh corner right there yeah to put it bluntly he was the cornerback that riley moss was supposed to be last season okay so riley moss didn't really have that kind of season i think he had one interception and it was a big deal when he finally got his interception i think he got it like 11 games in um because the year before he absolutely was tearing it up but he also got drafted um they had another defensive back get drafted in Kayvon merriweather he had three interceptions. So they're um, they're losing then, a lot on defense. Yeah, they are. Um, but they have they have some guys coming in. And of I'll course. get to that here in a sec. Um, another player they lost was Lucas Van Ness, a very good defensive end who was you know six sacks on the season. He got drafted by the Packers. Um, Two other defensive linemen they had that were very good last year, combined for 13 and a half sacks, were defensive end Joe Evans, who will kind of take over that main role from Van Ness, and then uh, Deontay Craig, who was more on the inside. So between them, 13 and a half sacks. They are both seniors this season, and they look to just provide upfront dominance. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't love that. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so it's it's very clear that Iowa had a very good defense for a reason. They had a lot of talent on the team, um, and as as we mentioned, they are very geared towards defense coaching wise. Now, the question is, did they lose too much? And I think. They, they obviously lost a ton of talent, just as Illinois did. But I think Iowa did a better job than Illinois bringing talent in. So with that being said, I'll kind of touch on some of their transfers. Okay. One's, one's at the most important 
position in football. They brought in a quarterback, Cade McNamara, from Michigan. I was about to say, I recognize that name. Yes. he. So he was the Michigan starter in 2021. And then he lost the job last season to J.J. McCarthy. They had that 50-50 battle for the first couple of weeks, right. and it ended up going to McCarthy. So now McNamara transferred to Iowa. He's got two more years of eligibility, I believe. That that could be a game changer for their offense. Mm-hmm. Because so, he is incredibly well, talented. Yes. Um, so I'll kind of go over his 2021 stats, not his 2022 stats, just because he only played in, I think, four, three or four games last season. So in 2021, he had... 199 out of 308 passing for just under 2,500 yards, which is unheard of for an Iowa quarterback in the last decade. (laughs) Right. 15 touchdowns, so he would double the quarterback room from last year. Yeah, and triple the starter number. Right. Four interceptions only and one rushing touchdown. So, I mean, he's not not a super mobile quarterback. He's not a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, I mean, he's probably more mobile than Spencer Petras was, but um, he's an absolute upgrade at quarterback, so watch out if Iowa can actually do something on offense. Yeah, yeah. They had another transfer quarterback coming from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, He didn't play last year. His name's Deacon Hill. So even after McNamara's gone, they might have another option there. Um, on offense, they had a couple other players coming in. I noted this guy just because he had a really funny name. Um, his name is Rusty Feth. <laughs> What's the uh, last name? Feth. F. F. E. T. H. Feth. That's. I wonder oh. if it's pronounced Faith. I I couldn't imagine it would be. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it just makes you sound like you got a really bad lisp. Yeah, it really does. So. He's coming in from Miami of Ohio. He's an offensive guard. Um, But the couple others that they have that are big-name guys coming in, you have Eric All, from also from Michigan. He was a tight end at Michigan. He only played in a couple games last season. So, again, his bulk of what he did at Michigan came in 2021, where he had over 400 yards and two touchdowns. So if you equate that to Iowa, he'll probably have 900 yards and 12 touchdowns. <laughs> right, yeah. Year. Yeah. Um, and then they got a linebacker from Virginia in Nick Jackson, former four-star guy, really talented. Um, you know, you see Iowa's uh, linebacker room is starting to deplete, and they're bringing in players from other programs. So Power 5 usually translates well. Yeah. Yeah, um, they did lose some players though. Uh, the backup quarterback Alex Padilla, uh, he transferred to SMU, so they will. It's it's Cade McNamara or nothing essentially for them. Okay, so that's kind of important to know too, just yeah. in case injury yeah. bug ever hits. Yeah, and I mean, the you never you know hope injuries on anyone, but if you're an opponent you would much rather face whoever the backup is than, than McNamara there. So um, right. should he go down, it seems like it would be a lot of trouble for Iowa. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, their third running back, Gavin Williams, transferred. He went to Northern, or Northern Illinois, not Northern Iowa. So he's out. I mean, but they still have their top two running backs, and they are clearly capable. So, I mean, that's splitting hair there yeah and you would think lose some talent offense Hmm? you you would think they wouldn't have the same sort of injury bug that purdue had at the running back position last year but it for purdue it went wound up being an all right situation because that's how we found devin mockaby but you can't always count on that right exactly so um so definitely ins and outs to that um third string running backs can be important so it's i don't want to understate that um but the Iowa offense also lost some of its prominent wide receivers. So Arlen well, prominent, before, prominent in quotes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, some of their higher on the totem pole guys. There you go. So there you go. Way. It's a short totem pole, but they're <laughs> high on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Arlen Bruce the fourth 
transferred to Oklahoma State. And Keegan Johnson, I believe he was a former four-star guy, he transferred to Kansas State. So a couple guys leaving the program looking for greener grass elsewhere. And then on defense, they had some changes as well. They lost a linebacker in Justin Jacobs to Oregon. So they brought one in, one went out, so we'll see. And then they lost a lot of secondary guys. They lost three guys in their secondary oh, wow. to Miami, Kent State, and Troy. So it's, it was a revolving door for Iowa in the transfer portal this season. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And yeah, that sounds like I a lot. I don't know if there's a lot to be said about a team's unity and having like a cohesive unit. Obviously, you have the entire summer to kind of go and learn your team, learn these bonds. And sometimes if you have enough talent, it just completely transcends that. But with so much turnover in this year, you wonder what that would be like for yeah. Iowa. Yeah, especially when going especially when the defense has been so good. It, right. You always want to believe you can just plug in new pieces that the vast majority of the defense will stay around and you'll be able to just hit the ground running and continue how you were. Um, but they did lose a lot, whether it be to the draft or uh, to transfers. So we'll see what the rest of their transfers can come in and do, but also kind of what amount of depth they've built up behind them could be really key for how Iowa does. Exactly. Yep. Um, I should say their special teams, they lost no one. Well, there you go. And their punter was one of the best in the country as well, as yeah. per Big Ten rules. Yeah, of course. Um, so their punter, Tory Taylor, uh, I believe he's Australian. Um, so he'd be Tory Taylor. You know, average, yeah, average a solid 45 a punt. So Wow, that's really good. Yeah. He, he's one of the... He was utilized a lot. I was, was going to say. Times. I was going to say, with that Iowa offense, he was probably on the field quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Makes that 45 and yards even more impressive. Exactly. Um, I do have the fun stat of the day. Okay. So, I did Iowa's how many punts it would take Tory Taylor to get to the Field of Dreams. Oh, okay. Yes. It would take him four or 2,455 punts. Wow. We're, we're putting, putting the Sickos Committee on Twitter uh, to shame right now. Yes. Gotta do it. We are the sicko sickos. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Uh, one mm. of the one of the only things to see in Iowa. Yeah, I I had to look up Iowa landmarks, and there are not many. I was gonna so, say the the Iowa State Fair and the Field of Dreams. Iowa State Fair was one that I was trying to find, but I mean. Yeah, so there's not many, like, restaurants that are from Iowa, not like, you know, stuff that you know is from Wisconsin or New York or wherever. They just, Iowa's got corn, it's got the fair, it's got the Field of Dreams, which I guess is kind of a mix between the fair and the corn. Yeah, I guess that is true. I guess that is true. Yeah, not not exactly much to do, but Tori, if you're feeling frisky one weekend go ahead and uh punt your way to the field of dreams <laughs> yeah if you've got time um the only thing i can think of that is also in iowa and i only know this because um my dad was a history teacher and in his retirement he's going to all the u.s president's houses um and the okay. next the next one they're going to um is herbert mm-hmm. hoover and yeah. hoover is in iowa um so they okay. talk about that and i was like so you're just going to drive there and then drive right back, or what? what's the plan? Right. Yeah, I can tell you people don't think of it, Iowa when they hear Herbert Hoover. I sure don't, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, think of Nevada. You think of Nevada with Herbert Hoover? Just because of the dam? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I was like, is there something else I'm missing? I couldn't think of anything else, so. Nope. Yeah, I that... know the aliens underneath the dam. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. Um... So, anything else we need to know on Iowa? Because, quite frankly, I'm not looking forward to this game. The way they embarrassed Purdue last year um, in a game that I think a lot of us thought Purdue had a really good chance in. Um, and then the Iowa offense just absolutely wakes up and walks over the Purdue defense. That was really disheartening at that point in the season. Um, so, yeah. I'm not looking forward to playing them again. And this one is at Iowa City. So, 
not not loving uh, Purdue's odds right now, but you know it's a few weeks into the season, so we'll know a lot more by then. Right, and I will say Purdue has a good track record of traveling to Iowa, um, so that might be something to remember. That I think they, I think they've won it three in a row at Iowa. Oh, I don't know. Um, but they. Unfortunately, don't have David Bell anymore to right. go off on Iowa, right. but um, it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Now, I know we've mentioned sort of cool traditions, and I would be remiss if I didn't say it. Iowa's got the coolest, yeah. newest tradition in all of college football, and that's the Iowa Wave. Yep. And for those that don't know, I'm not sure there's a single person listening to our podcast who doesn't know this, but uh, would you go ahead and tell people what that is? Yeah. So in Iowa, right next to Kinnick Stadium, is the Iowa Children's Hospital. So um, at each game, at the end of the first quarter, the entire stadium will, well, half the stadium will turn around, half the stadium will still be facing it, they will turn and they will wave at the children's hospital and the children's hospital knows this. So they get all the kids to come and stand by the windows and be by the windows and everyone just waves at each other. Yeah. So it's something for the kids to really see a whole stadium of people just waving at them and cheering for them and just, being you know there for them yeah. so it's really cool to see yeah it's absolutely wonderful i mean there's there's no two ways about it even if you hate iowa as a you know university if you've got some axe to grind against iowa uh whatever that may be this is it's really cool to see um one of the coolest things uh that you, you can actually see in college sports college football especially so um kudos mm. to iowa for that really great opportunity each and every game yeah absolutely so I think we need more traditions kind of like that one. Yeah. But, I mean, then again, how many uh, stadiums have, uh, you know, the <laughs> yeah. hospital? Yeah, right children's there, hospital so, right yeah. there. So um, hopefully not that many. It's a, it is an odd right. odd setup, but it really works for Iowa. Um, really cool tradition. So, well, Ryan, yeah. you've, you've put the fear of God in me for this Iowa game. I'm not looking forward to it, but I feel much more informed now. So thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Well, folks, until next time, boiler up, hammer down.